This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today on the Illinois Enquirer podcast, we continue our Illinois football Big Ten opponent preview series, and we'll check in in Iowa City with David Eichel, who covers Iowa for 24-7 sports for HawkeyeInsider.com, as well as Matthew Weaver, who covers Indiana for Pigs.com. Obviously, two different opponents, but two that go back-to-back in November. Illinois hosts Indiana on November 11th. That'll be Dad's Day, the penultimate home game of the season. The Hoosiers have actually won four in a row against Illinois. They haven't played very often. Uh, last year was the first time since 2017 that they've played. They've only played four times since 2011. All of those going to the Hoosiers. So Illinois has a streak to break there because the Hoosiers are on hard times right now. Tom Allen looked like he was turning that thing around 11-5 and five in 2019 and 2020 in the Big Ten. Last two years, just 2-16 and 16 in the Big Ten. One of those came against Illinois. So Illinois needs to revenge that one uh, if they want to have as good of a season as they hope to. That's a November 11th kickoff in Illinois. And then Illinois goes next the next week, November 18th, to Iowa. Tough place to play, but if they're going to be competing for a Big Ten West championship, it likely goes through Iowa City, who is one of the two favorites in the Big Ten West along with Wisconsin. But if you want to win the Big Ten West, you likely got to beat Iowa. Illinois did that last year in a 9-6 legendary affair of offense. But great defense uh, and good special teams from both those teams in that game in particular. But Iowa, are they the favorite in the Big Ten West? Indiana is Tom Allen in his seventh season on the hot seat. We talk about that with our two guests coming up. But first, let's talk about the Iowa Hawkeyes. Kirk Ferentz, Brian Ferentz, and dominant defense and special teams. And a team that hit the transfer portal pretty hard. That's all coming up next with David Eichel on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's talk some Iowa Hawkeyes with David Eicholt, who covers the Hawkeyes for 24-7 Sports. David, I'll just be up front with you. I don't know if I'm uh, if I'm the only one, but I got Iowa as the favorite here, and I know that's a little hot takey given uh, everything that's happened 
uh, with Brian Ferentz and all that. But uh, I think yeah. they just—I think they deserve it to be. I think people forget they were a Nebraska win or an Illinois win away from winning the Big Ten West last year. I mean, Iowa basically just did everything to lose the division. Uh, I mean, it's almost with Illinois though too. I mean, yeah. Illinois had it in their pocket at one point as well, and then. You know, Cooper DeGene injury against Nebraska really, really hurt them because Trey Palmer just had a field day after after Cooper's injury. Uh, but, yeah, man, I'm with you. I, I picked Iowa to win the Big Ten West. I think with four first-year head coaches, 16 returning starters, and, you know, Kirk did what nobody thought he would do. He utilized the transfer portal and brought in some legitimate talent, especially with Cade McNamara, Eric All, who I'm a huge fan of. I think he's going to have a really, really big year at tight end. And then... Caleb Brown, the highest rated wide receiver to ever commit to the University of Iowa in the 24-7 sports era. So I'm with you. I know Wisconsin's kind of the hot pick right now, and I understand that with Luke Fickle, but I'm very intrigued how an air raid offense is going to work immediately in a Big Ten West that's loaded with great secondaries. Yeah, we're kind of going big picture first, but I think it fits Iowa, Illinois, Minnesota. I mean, there are four new head coaches. In the, yeah. in the Big Ten West, if you want to include David Braun, given what's happened to Northwestern, I, I think continuity matters. Um, the, but let's, let's talk about this. Let's lead right into Iowa here. Brian Ferentz continuity, does, does that help Iowa? Explain it for everybody out there, David. You've had to deal with this, talk with Kirk about it, talk with the AD about it. How has Kirk Ferentz sold Brian Ferentz, and does Brian meet the 25-point-per-game requirement I mean, here's the thing about the 25-point requirement. I think it's ridiculous, number one. But number two, why didn't we? Why didn't they put the stipulation of the offense has to hit 25 points a game with how many defensive and special teams touchdowns? Like, that could help save Brian's job when it's all said and done. I mean, Jeremy, we're talking about a team whose touchdown reception leader through the regular season was cornerback Cooper DeGene until Luke Lachey got his fourth touchdown in the bowl game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's very interesting that Brian, you know, did end up keeping his job. And I don't know this. This is my tinfoil hat theory. But, you know, I have heard from a couple sources that Gary did not really want to keep Brian. But Kirk, I think that would have changed up Kirk's timeline as the head coach of the University of Iowa had Brian been, you know, terminated. But I also think it's going to be very interesting with the new athletic director that's coming in on August 1st, if there's going to be different requirements for Brian to achieve in order to you know keep his job past this season but i'd also argue this is a lot more pressure on Cade mcnamara who already he wants the pressure he's i've talked to him a few times on the record he loves it this is what he lives for i think he's driven to get back to indianapolis i think he wants to play michigan in the big 10 title without a doubt but you know you think about eric all you think about seth anderson another wide receiver all the new offensive talent that's a lot of pressure on them to save Brian's job. Like, I don't think Brian's really feeling any heat outside of fans, and I know Brian does not care what anybody thinks about him. And I also argue this with Brian. Brian is a great football mind. He knows how to coach offensive line. He knows how to coach tight ends. He can't call plays. And I think that's been a huge, huge downfall for him over the past couple of years. So this team did hit the transfer portal hard for the first time uh, for, for yep. Kirk Ferentz's career. And – they got upgrades, right? Like Cade McNamara, whether you think he's a game manager or not, he's an upgrade over Petrus. Um, Caleb Brown, very talented. We know him in state here. I, you are all in on Eric All. I know that for sure. Certainly yep. had a good year two years ago with Michigan at tight end. We know how good Iowa is at, at tight ends. They had two offensive linemen as well. 
how big of a leap can they take offensively with those additions, even if the play caller remains the same? You know, I think that's the interesting part, Jeremy. I think they've done a good job of having good personnel. And the big key is can Iowa's offensive line go back to being a normal Iowa offensive line, right? I mean, you look at last year, look, Petrus took a lot of heat. And understandably so, he missed some plays. But the offensive line did nothing to help him. And the play calls, I mean, there just wasn't anybody on the perimeter. And Iowa, from a wide receiver standpoint, they've been so depleted with injuries on the perimeter. I mean, Iowa had one healthy wide receiver, scholarship wide receiver, in the spring game, Jeremy. And it's been that way for the past two springs. I think on paper, Iowa can, you know, be a top 50, top 60 offense. But how is that going to translate over? I mean, even the 25 points per game, there were 85 Division One teams that hit that last year. Like, it's we're not even asking for – they're not even asking for an average offense. Below average. For a below average <laughs> yes. offense. But I also would argue that that's good – if. You know, if Iowa special teams remains elite, which I think it's going to, they have Torrey Taylor, who's 26 this, this year. They have Drew Stevens, who I think is going to be one of the best kickers in the country. And then again, LeVar Woods just is a, an incredible special teams coordinator. If Iowa has a below average offense, Jeremy, I think they, they, they win the West. Yeah. And that's just so insane to say. But again, on paper, and I've said this, it's Indianapolis or bust. I think it's a failure of a season for Iowa if they don't reach Indianapolis but I think Caleb Johnson for example could be a big deal at, at, at tailback I think Luke Lachey and Eric all I think they can put up Fant Hawkinson type numbers depending on if McNamara can make the throws but again none of this talent matters if the offensive line can't can't hold I was going to ask you about that because Illinois Minnesota they've made progress in the west I think partly because Wisconsin Iowa's offensive line last year at least uh, maybe for a couple years for both those words, haven't has been quite as dominant. How do they look up front this year? I do think that this is the first time in the past three years that Kirk feels optimistic about the depth and the competition up front, right? I mean, I think, you know, Dijon Parker missed most of spring, which is unfortunate because he's the Saginaw Valley State uh, offensive tackle who's, you know, going from – Division two to Division one, Big Ten missing spring was a big deal. But they have James Dunker. Connor Colby is being talked about in NFL circles. I know he didn't have a great year by pro football focus, but Iowa really kept moving in between tackle and guard. And I think he's going to be a solidified guard this year. They have Mason Richmond, who started the past two seasons. I mean, they have experience on the line. The big deal is if Logan Jones can take a big step forward at center. I mean, he had impossible shoes to fill with Tyler Linderbaum you know, impossible expectations. But I do know behind the scenes they're pretty optimistic about about the competition. But it is one of those just put up or shut up. You know, you guys see it to believe it. I mean, we can sit here and talk about and project what they're going to do. But it was so porous and so horrendous last season on every level of the offense. You just got to be able to see it to believe it. Uh, David, the defense lost two top 20 picks in Lucas Van Ness and Jack Campbell, a third-round corner in Riley Moss, all Big Ten players. Yet seven starters return, and probably most importantly, Phil Parker's back. Um, and he's just one of those guys that no matter what you lose, you're like, oh, they're going to be good because it's, it's Phil Parker. It's kind of like how Jim Leonard had that for a while uh, at, yeah. at Wisconsin. So will this Phil Parker defense be as dominant as what we've seen and we've gotten used to? I mean, I don't want to put any expectations on it, especially last season. I mean, their defense last season was absolutely historic. And the reason why they – you know, I think Phil Parker is probably the most underappreciated coordinator nationally. I, I don't think he gets the respect that he deserves. But you look at Nick Jackson, for example. Nick Jackson, you know, being a transfer from Virginia, I think that's a huge, huge deal. Replacing Jack Campbell, it's an impossible deal. 
uh, to replace Jack Campbell. But Nick Jackson's suitable. But another thing I think you need to keep an eye on, Jeremy, Noah Shannon was supposed to go to Big Ten Media Days next week, and he voluntarily decided not to go because he is involved in the NCAA investigation, the sports gambling in Iowa. And how deep is that going to go, and how much is that going to impact Iowa? But, look, you got Cooper DeGene back. I think Cooper DeGene could win the Jim Thorpe Award this year. I don't know how much they're going to throw it at him. You have five-star safety, Xavier Wampa, starting at safety, taking over for Kayvon Merriweather. Quinn Schulte is just that stereotypical walk-on you know, walk safety. I think Iowa feels great about the defensive line depth. I think that, you know, I, I think they feel like they're in a really good spot. But I'd also say this. I do think that there is some behind-the-scenes worry about a third cornerback. And the second cornerback that's going to start is Jamari Harris, who missed all of last season. You know, he put up a great 2021, but how much of that has is he going to retain and can he continue to build off that? And Iowa was trying to get one more guy in the NCAA transfer portal that is a cornerback. I think they have talent. They just don't have a lot of experience. So, you know, if Cooper DeJane or Jamari Harris gets hurt, who knows how that's going to end up happening? Yeah, I think at least in the Big Ten West, like people, they got they noticed Ryan Walters last year. They know Jim Leonard. I think there's a lot of respect for Phil Parker here locally, and I yeah. think Joe Rossi's getting there in Minnesota too. But what has made Phil Parker like? What makes him so good for people, the casual fan that that doesn't pay attention to Iowa football as much? I just think the way he evaluates just his defense in general, and the way he gets the right guys, he, because I think about some of the recruits I've interviewed and some of the players. They remember the first time Phil Parker went in their home, and he's quizzing them, how many yards is it from hash, like from sideline to sideline? He's asking about what angles you would take. I just think the way his mind's wired is different than any, you know, most defensive coordinators. And remember, Phil Parker was no scrub of a football player. I mean, he was he was a three-time All-Big Ten yeah, cornerback at Michigan State. I just think the way he analyzes the game, the way he teaches, it, and he's demanding. I mean, he's not afraid to put a young guy out there. He'll make a mistake. He'll get after it. But it's just been such a trend about not allowing explosive plays, utilizing the defensive front, letting the linebackers make the play, and really being an all-in type of team defense. And But the way he's done with the secondary has just been unbelievable. I mean, you look at, I think, almost half the winners of the cornerback of the year in the Big Ten have been Phil Parker, coach guys. Uh, again, I, I just think the way he analyzes it and getting the right pieces just to make the right plays. It, it, it's just special to watch in the limited opportunities that we get to, like a spring game, for example. I think Phil kind of forgets that the media is there, but to go from, you know, a little monotone kind of guy to watch him, you know, chew out a player for lining up wrong or not getting in a spot quick enough. It's he's demanding and you just don't expect it when you hear him on the record. Sometimes we throw the word elite around too much, but Iowa has elite defense and they have elite special teams. Like that, that's what just makes me think. I always think the highest four is, is consistently Iowa because of that. We'll see what the offense is, but special teams, they have two of the best specialists in the country, right? And then, you know, LeVar Woods, I know, is, is thought highly of that program, is, is one of their special teams yeah. coordinators. So um, that, that'll remain a strength, I would imagine, right? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, they returned Drew Stevens, and Drew Stevens has been telling the media, now look, I need to see it, but he's kicking 57, 58 yards field goals. So, you know, if the offense isn't really panning out, they uh, they might need that. I mean, you think about what Keith Duncan did a few years ago uh, at Iowa and how, you know, just it, here's the thing with Iowa, too, special teams. I think Iowa fans really appreciate it, but I don't think they understand, like, how hard it is to be so consistently elite at special teams. I mean, It'll be interesting to see if they play Cooper DeGene as one of the return men. I think, you know, Caleb Brown wants that role. And I think we saw what happened with Iowa's defense when Cooper DeGene got hurt, right? I mean, do they want to risk throwing him out there? 
Uh, so I think there's a variety of weapons there, but the way LeVar Woods just analyzes everything, and he, I remember Iowa blocked, Lucas Van Ness blocked two punts against Iowa State a couple years ago. And Lucas Van Ness said post-game that it was a custom play drawn up by LeVar Woods throughout the week because he saw a weakness in the protection. I mean, that's the type of detail that, you know, leads to success. And LeVar Woods has turned down head coaching opportunities to stay at Iowa. Now, look, how, how long could that remain a thing? You know, I don't know. He's been an Iowa lifer. But the way he's consistent about churning out some of the elite talents, it's, it's intriguing. But I also think there's so much pressure on Phil, so much pressure on LeVar to maintain the elite status because of how porous Iowa's offense is. I mean, yeah. I think you could credit – Phil Parker and LeVar Woods for saving Brian Ferentz's job because they've just consistently kept him in the game. Well, the schedule is favorable for Iowa, too. It's another reason I like them. The, the schedule in yeah. the Big Ten West, I think, matters because, you know, Iowa's, if their offense is average, they could probably run away with the West if the other two sides hold up as well. But I do think this is going to come down to one or two games. Like, it's going to probably be a 6-3 yeah. and three or 7-2 and two team that wins the Big Ten West. But they don't have Michigan. They don't have Ohio State. You said it. Is, is it into your bust for Iowa? No doubt. I mean, you think about this too, Jeremy. This is Kirk Ferentz's last real opportunity to win the Big Ten, I think. Because true, yeah. once USC, UCLA join the conference and, you know, things kind of go away, I think Iowa can compete in the upper tier of the Big Ten still. But this is the opportunity. Like, it's, it's put up or shut up. And I, I'm not saying it's a legacy-defining year by Kirk Ferentz. But I think this is where there'll be a lot of regret if Iowa does not at least make it to Indy. You have the new quarterback. You have the new offensive talent. You return 16 players, starting players, and which, by the way, is the most in Kirk Ferentz's tenure. You have, you know, the, the, the puncher that's almost as old as me at this point. But, you know, he's been, he's been among the nation's elite. Everything lines up for Iowa, and that almost made me hesitant to pick them. But, again, it, it's – it's into your bust. I, I know a lot of people disagree with me on my board about it. I know some national people disagree with me. But it, the stars line up, and I think there should be a lot of pressure. And I think Iowa fans should expect to make Indy, just given you know everything that's on the schedule and you know what's on paper. What is Iowa football in 2024 and beyond without divisions in the Big Ten? Probably... You know, I think I think Wisconsin's going to maintain where it's at. I think Luke Fickle's going to do a really, really good job there. I just don't think year one he's going to be able to take that leap into the Big Ten. I mean, you think about Penn State's going to be over them, Michigan's going to be over them, Ohio State, USC. I'm, I'm not ready to buy in on UCLA yet. I need to see a little bit more from Chip Kelly and company. Wisconsin, I mean, probably in that – I think Iowa's ceiling is probably four, the fourth best team some years, but – I think realistically, they're probably going to be levitate between uh, six and eight. Yeah. So, what do you make of the rest of the West? It's it's a bad division, Jamie. Let's just <laughs> let's just call it what it is. Like right? who, I mean, who, it's, who are you it's, buying? It's who, garbage. who are you buying to be pushing? If, if obviously both of us think Iowa should be the leader here, who do you buy pushing Iowa for it? Wisconsin. I mean, I'm still picking Wisconsin. Um, I, I think Iowa's going the head-to-head matchup, and I think that's ultimately going to decide it. I, I don't know where you put Illinois on your rankings. I put Illinois third. I, did I think they're going to be Minnesota. Yeah. I think that their defense is going to be tremendous again. Uh, I did pick Cooper DeGene for Defensive Player of the Year, but it was not – it was pretty close, man. I, I was I was very much debating on, uh, on going with the Illinois guy. But 
I think Illinois could be right there, but I'm also very intrigued. Can Illinois kind of maintain the next level and the leap it's taken? Because traditionally that just hasn't been the case. I think on paper, I think they have enough talent too. I think the defense will be able to keep them in it. Uh, and it also helps, again, that the Big Ten West is is not good. I right. Obviously, I'll be shocked if Northwestern wins one Big Ten game. I'm not, you know, I think the entire athletic department's in huge, huge trouble. I think multiple heads are going to roll. I feel bad for any of the Northwestern players that have to talk at Big Ten media days next mm-hmm. week. I don't think they should have to. Minnesota, I need to see some something on offense. I was not impressed with Kelly McManus last year when he played against Iowa. Uh, Purdue, first-year head coach. I like Walters. First-year head coach, though, I don't see it. I think it's very clearly 1A, 1B, Iowa, Wisconsin. I think Illinois is kind of number two right there. Yeah. Uh, will you miss the West, David? <laughs> well, I'll miss, you know, potentially covering a Big Ten championship That's game. Right. Uh, <laughs> but it will be nice. Like, I mean, look, Jeremy, if we're getting company dime to go fly out to L.A. to go cover a game there, I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to complain about it. You know, I, there's worse things in life. Yeah. But I'm also excited that, you know, if Iowa can start playing Ohio State more, play Michigan more, play USC more. And people realize, like, I know people clown on Iowa's schedule over the years. It, it's not their fault. Like, they just play whoever the Big Ten throws in front of them. And I've talked to players. They want to play some of those teams. They want to play the elite team. They don't want to, you know, play Northwestern. They don't want to play, like, these lower-tier schools year in, year out. So I'm excited for that portion. If there were a fourth rival, protected rivalry, would it be Illinois with Iowa? Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. Well, I'm look. I, I'm shocked that they they had three. I I still don't really buy the Nebraska Iowa forced rivalry. Yeah. I know that's a hot take to everybody because there's clearly a lot of hostility there. I think I I think Illinois personally probably should have replaced Nebraska. Yeah. Because right when Nebraska joined the Big Ten, they just forced that rivalry. I think I think you can agree with me though, David. We always agree on this. Just protect it for basketball, please. No matter what happens, moving. No, forward. my God, I'm so frustrated that that hasn't. That should be a year in year out thing. The games are absolutely electric, yeah. and the fan bases hate each other. And it's great. That's awesome. Uh, David Eichel covers Iowa twenty four seven sports. David, always appreciate the time, man. Yeah, man, I appreciate you. Great stuff from David. Let's head over to Bloomington, Indiana, the site of a bad loss for Illinois last season. They they thoroughly outplayed. Indiana for most of that game, especially in the trenches, but four turnovers, special teams miscues in that one, everything you could do to lose a game, kind of everything Illinois usually did. And I remember after that game, I kind of wrote, man, when you lose a game like this, it's hard to imagine the breakthrough because it felt like Illinois football all over again. Boy, Illinois proved that column pretty wrong <laughs> um, because they just ran off a seven-game win streak after that. So uh, Illinois found a way to turn around the season. That's still That loss still stung. Uh, for Illini football, because it just you would have started eight and zero. Think about how high you would have been in the rankings at that point. Uh, it just would have been a lot better, I, I think. Just buzz for your program, and then you're looking at potentially an even better bowl game than what you went to. So that that loss still stung, even if it wouldn't have meant you make a Big Ten West championship game because Purdue still beat you head to head. But it still would have mattered. But Illinois gets a chance for revenge this season as Indiana comes to Illinois on November 11th. What will Tom Allen's program look like? Will it be rejuvenated thanks to the transfer portal? Or will this kind of be a burning seat for Tom Allen uh, as he heads to Champaign November? We talk about that next with Matthew Weaver, Pigs.com. All right, it's time to check in with Indiana, the Indiana Hoosiers, who gave Illinois kind of a devastating loss last year. Illinois played pretty well for most of that game, but uh, four turnovers really cost them in Indiana with a great last drive uh, to close out a game that looked like a pretty good win for Indiana. 
way back in uh, you know September. But let's talk about the uh, Indiana Hoosiers who are back on the Illinois schedule in November. Matthew Weaver covers Indiana football for Peegs.com, our great Indiana site at 24-7 Sports. So I'll start there, Matthew. Uh, after that Illinois win, what what happened to Indiana? Because they started 3-0 and then just won one game the rest of the season. What happened? Well, I mean, Connor Bazelak, who had a terrific, you know, like final drive there in that Illinois game, you know, really kind of, carved up a good defense um, to win that game there at the end really struggled and it was it was you know kind of a, a square peg round hole he was obviously not a very mobile guy could, if you gave him protection could throw the ball and Indiana's offensive line was just so bad last year to the point where Darren Hiller the offensive line coach was fired at about the midway point I think actually exactly the midpoint after the sixth game and then replaced um uh, uh, geez, former Northern Illinois coach um, Rod Carey, who was yeah. like an analyst on the staff, and he became the O line coach the last half of the season. They've since brought in Bob Bostad, but just a bad fit. Um, you know, offensively, they really struggled. If you look at the numbers, they were very poor. They could not run the ball. And then you had an immobile quarterback with an offensive line that couldn't protect him. So, you know, it was it was it was a recipe for for disaster. And um, and then the defense would have moments of good play, but they were just on the field too long. Um, and and the defense kind of the defense had slipped. I mean, let's be honest, it wasn't where it was a couple years before. So it was you know it wasn't just one side. There was a multitude. Special teams were pretty solid overall, but that did have some mistakes in some games. Really hurt them in the, in the I think it was the Nebraska game. Um, so you know it just it was one of those years where um, you know it's honestly for Indiana it's been kind of a lot of those years where you just had poor play from kind of both sides of the you know both sides of the ball. Well, Tom Allen, just a few years ago, you know, he was eleven and five in the Big Ten from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty. He's gone two and sixteen in the Big Ten since. So, entering this seventh season for Tom Allen in Bloomington, how hot is his seat right now, Matt? You know, I think at at a lot of schools, it would be it would be pretty warm. Um, the problem is after this season, he's still got four years left on his contract and a twenty million dollar buyout, and at Indiana. You know, and I mean, maybe Illinois is the same, but you know, at schools kind of like where what we cover, that's a lot of money. I mean, we're, you know, they don't have the uh, the uh, cash flow or whatever you want to the war chest that maybe Ohio State or Michigan or the impatience that some of those schools have with the people who are running it. So, um, but you know, if he goes, you know, you know, they got two wins on their schedule: Akron, Indiana State. You go two and ten, and you get drilled in most of those games. Maybe there's a discussion. I just. I think he's got two years. I think he'll get. I think he'll get the twenty-four season as well. And like I said, barring a really, really bad collapse, the new president here um, uh, is somebody that is. I've heard really wants football to be good, but you know, the bottom line is twenty million is a, a huge chunk of change, especially just a few years out of COVID when athletic budgets are now just kind of getting back to that you know break-even point. So. Um, but, you know, there's some wrestling. I mean, Tom Allen is very well liked. He, he is. I know a lot of stuff seems kind of corny and whatever the LEO, but he's a genuine guy. He's the kind of guy you would send your son to play football for because you're he's going to make your son a better person. But you got to win. I mean, let's yeah. be honest. At the end of the day, this is a big money bottom line. What have you done for me lately, business? And what he's done lately is six and eighteen, and like you said, I think two and sixteen in the Big Ten. Um, even in Indiana, that's going to bring out you know uh, some of the uh, the the loud voices that when their change needs to be made. 
Yeah, Matt, the one thing I would say about Tom Allen, he really wants to be there. Like, he, he loves yeah. Indiana. I mean, he's from there. He's he spent a lot of time in the state. Um, that's not going to happen with a lot of guys who mm-hmm. apply for that job or are coaching candidates for that job. But it is a Big Ten job now, and, and you have yeah. money, you have all of that. So I do think it's a, probably a little bit more appealing than it was maybe 10 years ago with all the money and, and being a Power 2 conference. But um, I, I guess the big picture question here, Matt is like Illinois, Indiana is a basketball school, uh, yeah. but it has struggled to find success consistently on the gridiron. So, how tough is this job, and, and what is the path to success, whether it's with Tom Allen or somebody else? Well, I mean, it's tough. It's always going to be tough. I mean, in, in in this state, you've got two other Power Five schools, and Indiana does not produce. I mean, high school football is a lot better, and I always attribute that when when Peyton Manning came in, you know, in the early '90s, he made football cool for high school kids who normally would just play basketball. But you've got Purdue and Notre Dame, and then other schools come here recruit. Ohio State has come in and plucked some guys. Um, you know, uh, Michigan will recruit here. So th- this is a state where other they may not blanket it, but they'll come in and they'll try to pluck the top three or four guys who are legit players. So it's, it's a tough job recruiting-wise. They've really made their hay in the south in Florida. Obviously, they've been really heavy in the portal the last few years, like a lot of other schools have. Um, you know, I, I it's you mentioned it, the money. The bottom line is right now, um, you get what is it, sixty, seventy million? The Big Ten schools are going to be getting here, or you know, with it with this new deal. I think getting rid of the divisions really helps Indiana yeah. because basically, when you're in the East, if you're not Michigan, Ohio State, or Penn State, you're looking at three losses before your season even starts. So you got to go six and three in your other nine games um, to get to a bowl game. One of the problems Indiana's had is their their scheduling. They have played Louisville. They're playing Louisville this year. They played Cincinnati the last couple of years. If you're playing four non-conference games. And eight conference games, I'm okay with playing a little more Cincinnati. When you've only got three bites at the apple, you need to play three games that you, when you walk on the field, your players are better than the other team's players. And that's not the case. So basically, Indiana's playing 10 conference games. They're not trying to get into the playoffs. So they don't need to, um, you know, make their schedule sexier. They need to get wins. You know, I always go back to Bill Snyder in his book when he took over Kansas State. He said, tear these, get rid of these games and get me a bunch of patsies so we can get wins. And that's what Indiana needs. And, and you know, going getting rid of the divisions will help. You know, it's still going to be tough. It's not like they've been great against the West the last couple of years. They've won two games out of 18, and some of those were against West opponents. So it's not like it's going to be a cakewalk, but it does. Those teams are just so talented and so physical that it, when you play them, it's almost like you're playing two games. I mean, they just beat you up. And it's and if you play them back-to-back, it's brutal. I mean, it really takes a lot of – and Indiana opens with Ohio State this year. I mean, yeah, they could open the season with a 30-, 40-point loss. I mean, it's – you know, with some young players, that could be tough mentally for them to overcome. So, hopefully, they can – it's not too bad. But, you know, it, it's not an easy job. I do think the way the media writes things, it does make it more appealing. I think you'd have a bigger pool of candidates, like you said, than you would 10 years ago. But it's still going to take the right guy. Yeah. You know, Indiana's better at investing in this program, but they're not – they're not to the, I mean, you know, look at Illinois' facility that they built a couple of years ago, Iowa's facility, Purdue's facility. Those are the peers to me for Indiana. They need to get to that level, at least to that level. They're never going to get to the Ohio State or Penn State or Michigan level, most likely, but they need to be on the level with you guys in Minnesota and Iowa and Purdue because that's who we're, they're recruiting against. Those are the teams you're trying to beat for recruits. Um, and obviously, NIL plays a part, but so do facilities and, and things like that and infrastructure. So, it's. I think it's a, a, a little bit more appealing job, but it's. It's still not. It's still not. You know, a destination. Let's right. put it that way. Unless, for unless you're like a Tom Allen. 
Right. That's why I find him really interesting there. Uh, Indiana returns just eight starters, and they lost several key players at the transfer portal. But as you said, Matt, they're, they're bringing in 25 transfers to this team. How do you feel they came out of all of this? Uh, how did the roster settle out? Did they get even? Did they get ahead? Did they lose? What, what do you think? Uh, I think on paper you can make the case, at least that something they, they, they came out ahead. I mean, I think Taven Jackson's a better quarterback than Connor Bazelak, but Connor Bazelak was a, was a proven commodity. He had played in the SEC at Missouri. Taven Jackson basically is the guy, you know, he played mop-up time in Tennessee. Now he's really talented. Um, Brendan Sorsby, the, the kid that was a freshman last year from Texas, he played like a series or two against Penn State. Um, he's got some talent, but they're really young at the most important position on the field. Um, um, but I, I do like the talent they have there. You know, I thought they did a really good job on the D-line, and that's a spot where um, we'll just look at Illinois. I mean, that defense is fantastic. Uh, what is it? Is it Jerzon uh, and Newton? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I'll spoil it. I put him – I made him one of my top five players in the recent stuff we've done, you know, for media. I, he's a fantastic player, NFL guy. But, you know – Bielema has done a great job at Illinois. I think they haven't been super explosive. I look at the Penn State game, was it two years ago, where I can't remember how many yards they threw for. He like, you, ran for, you guys ran for like 350 yards, whatever it was, and went into Penn State and beat them by basically just whipping their butts up front. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's where Indiana's really struggled with other teams. Um, even the Illinois and some of those of the world where you think they'd be more on par. Um, I think football, at the end of the day, you can have all the window dressing. At the end of the day, football is one up front. Whoever can physically whip the other team up front and impose their will is going to win most games. And they did a good job with the D-line. O-line, there wasn't a whole lot of spots. Bringing in Bob Bostad, I think, is huge. Um, you know, he did a great job with Wisconsin. I think he's a guy that can take, you know, maybe marginal Big Ten recruits and coach him up. He did it at Wisconsin. Hopefully he can continue to do that in Indiana. Um, but I think on paper, they came out ahead. Talent-wise, it's close. I would say I would lean towards a little bit ahead, but you know, on paper, that doesn't matter. It's what right. you do, you know, on the field, obviously. So we'll see. I mean, the secondary to me is a big concern. So they're going to need the front seven to play well to kind of take the burden off those guys until they can get their feet under them. So uh, a lot will play out before Illinois and Indiana play each other towards the end of the season. But w- what do you think this team's Indiana's strengths are going into the year? Uh offensively you got some good skill players uh Jalen Lucas is legit he's a stud um you know the 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 one issue with him he's what five eight five nine 170 pounds so um you want to try to reduce you know he was fantastic as a returner last year all-american showed flashes of that kind of play as a running back they just didn't give him the ball enough but that's the line how you know you want to give him the ball enough to make a huge impact but not too much where you get him beat up and you know, the last half of the season, he's not able to play that much. But I think they got some good skill players. You know, the offensive line I think will be better. But then again, obviously it couldn't be much worse. The first six games they were just atrocious. Um, can they? Can they, they? They don't need to be top three or four in the Big Ten. They need to be top half. You know, it, just a, enough of a running game and to take some of the pressure off these young quarterbacks who can make plays. But if Taven Jackson and or Brendan Sorsby, whoever wins the job, and that hasn't been decided yet. If it's put on their shoulders to win games, they're in trouble. They 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 need to be put in a position where they have to make some plays, but not carry the team. Um, and then defensively, I think the D line is going to be a strength. Uh, I, I I like the guys. Andre Carter from Western Michigan is really good. I think he's an NFL guy. They brought in some other guys. Linnell Carr from West Virginia. I think he's going to give him some pass rush help. Um, linebacker Aaron Casey's an All Conference type of player. Like I said, the secondary is the weak point. And then you got a great punter James Evans. I know that's not a, a 
cool position to talk about, but it is important. And well, after um, after last you know, year's Indiana game, Illinois knows how important punter is. Yeah. <laughs> the, que- the question is, their 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 kicker is brand new, uh, Nicholas Radisic, and uh, um, Army All American, one of the best kickers. But he's a freshman, and it's a lot different kicking in high school, obviously, than come up here in college. So if it comes down to like a game winning field goal, you know, how, how's that going to go? But you know, I think I tell people if you could play the top thirty or thirty five guys, I think Indiana's a bowl team. I think they can win six games. Unfortunately. You got to have fifty to sixty guys in, in in college football, especially in the Big Ten. Depth to me is the question. If yeah. if you have to go to your second guy or even your third guy, can they hold up? And obviously, it's not going to be the same production, but is it going to be such a huge dip that it really hurts you? So, as you mentioned, inexperience at quarterback, O line, <clears throat> secondary are, are those the biggest question marks about this team? Yeah, and O line is actually a veteran, pretty veteran group. I mean, there's guys who played quite a bit. Um, but they just haven't played well. And I think, you know, we'll see how they're, you know, Matthew Bedford got hurt in that game against Illinois in the, I think it was like the first or second quarter towards ACL. Um, and he was gone for the year, which is a huge loss. Um, he'll be back, you know, uh, Zach Carpenter, the transfer from Michigan from a couple of years ago. Um, you know, that Michael Kadick, they've got some guys and they, and they actually, you know, Darren Hiller did recruit pretty well, even though he did a, not a great job developing, um, you know, but, that, that position has got to be better. But quarterback is the biggest question mark on offense by far, and in my opinion, secondary on defense. Matthew, what would make this a successful season for Indiana? Well, I mean, getting back to a bowl game. I mean, but, you know, like I said, you're, you you got to go six and three, and, you know, one of those games, you know, um, <clears throat> excuse me, seven of those nine games are basic – well, they're not basically they are. They're power five teams. you got, you know, the six – the six conference games and then the game against Louisville. So it, it's it's not going to be easy. You're going to have to find a way. I'm just kind of looking at the schedule right now. You know, Rutgers at home, I mean, it's probably got to be a win. Wisconsin, I think, is going to be, you know, um, pretty good. I think Fickle is a fantastic coach. I, I think they hit it out of the ballpark with him. Um, you know, I will say soon, you know, he can work his magic there. Michigan State's going to be an interesting game, team for me because they were so good two years ago and then really fell off last year. Purdue – you know, they went the complete opposite direction with their coach from they had been all offense for years. And then they go, you know, uh, you know, with Walters, who I, you guys obviously know really, really well. And it'll be interesting. He's you just don't know what to expect from him because he's never been a head coach. So, see, these are some of the games they have to get. Illinois could be a big game for him. And it's not going to be an easy game, but that's a game where they may have to try to find a way to go into Champaign and, and pull off a, you know, a win if they want to get to six. So it's. You know, if you could get five and seven, I know it's, I hate to say this because it just feels like you're, you know, settling, but you're really competitive. I think that would give people hope going into 24 um, it, with this with this program because there are going to be a number of guys back um, and you could have something to build on. But if you go three and nine, two and ten and you're getting drilled, the, the wind has really come out of the sails of those two years you mentioned earlier. It would be this program would kind of be almost, you know, DOA. Uh, I do want to say um, Indiana has beaten Illinois four straight times. They don't play each other very often, Matt, but they uh, they beat Illinois last year. They beat I remember the – Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I remember the last game there. I think they hit Simi Cobbs late in the fourth quarter. I was standing on the sideline there. Um, they threw and, – and that was kind of a pillow fight. <laughs> I don't think either team was all that great. So, yeah. it was uh, – we, we, we showed up because we were getting paid to <laughs> kind of deal. Yep. But, yeah, uh, they they have had some success. And it's, it's, it's always been an interesting – it's a, with the division split, it's a game I missed just because it's close by, and Illinois has always kind of been a rival of Indiana on the hardwood. So I was going to ask you, do you think Indiana-Illinois should have been a protected rivalry in football? I think you can make a strong case for it. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 think, you, I think you can make a really good case. Obviously, Indiana and Purdue is always going to be a rivalry. 
Um, but yeah, I think you could. I mean, I, it just and maybe it's because I'm looking at it from the basketball. But I remember as a kid some of those great matchups with Henson and Bob Knight, and you know they had the the flying Illini in the late '80s and Indiana had some really good teams around that same time when they had Cheney and those guys, and so. Um, you know, maybe it's not the same, obviously not the same for football, but I know these are two fan bases that kind of go back and forth and, and they seem to be over the years kind of equal and, yeah. and that's, you know, they're football and basketball. Um, so, you know, obviously basketball for Indiana, except for a few years or the last 20 years has not been, it's been mediocre. Right. Um, it's been better lately, but you know, Illinois has got a great coach over there in Underwood. So, um, yeah, I, I would like to see them play more often, you know, and for one, you know, uh, it's a closer trip and you know we can stop by the on the at the beef house and get a good meal (laughs) you know either going there or coming home that's right matthew weaver pigs.com appreciate the time matthew uh and we'll uh, talk to you again once the season gets going man okay look forward to seeing you what does it be november (laughs) 11th uh november 11th wow just before thanksgiving so yeah thanks for having me man i appreciate it Great stuff from Matthew Weaver. Thanks to David Eicholt from Hawkeye Insider as well. Check out all our great sites at 24-7 Sports. If you're a VIP member at Illini Inquirer, you can always get the VIP access at all these different sites as well. So if you really want to get insight into what the Illini opponents look like or you know their take on recruitments, all that, um, it's great stuff. You, you can check it all out. And I, I love having this 24-7 Sports network where we can tap into these guys and, and ask them what, what's happening with those programs. And I think it's been a fun week or two stretch of, of kind of figuring that all out. And uh, we still got a few more, Penn State, Maryland. We still got those coming up on the podcast. So we got those lined up probably early next week, right before Big Ten Media Days, uh, which starts on Wednesday. Brett Bielman will be the first coach up at the podium um, early in the morning there in Indianapolis. So uh, Joey Wagner and I are headed out there. we got our hotel booked. Looking forward to two days in Indy, which is always a great host for everything. But hope you're enjoying this series. We'll continue to have more. And we'll continue to dive in more of the football season as we get ready for Big Ten Media Days and training camp starting just around the corner. Thank you for listening to the Online Enquirer podcast. I know I say this every time, but please give us a follow, rating, review wherever you get your podcast. If you can take out 10 seconds of your day right now, and do that that really helps us out and if you check us out on youtube you can see all the interviews there uh we'll do player interviews we'll have plenty from big 10 media days uh video wise up on alana inquire youtube channel go find us there hit the subscribe button like those videos and hit the notifications bell as well we appreciate when you guys support us on all of our avenues there all right everybody have a great day take care of each other we'll talk to you next time right here on the alana inquire podcast bye everybody